This is episode 159 of Amazing Avenue Audio, and it is our 2015 AAAAOP Spectacular. All right, here's an acquisition. Chris McShane. Sign you on a suspetus for six years, 132 million. <laughs> Welcome to a very, very, very special edition of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Joining me from the site are Chris McShane and Kate Feldman. Joining me from Baseball Prospectus is Kate Morrison. And because he lost a bet and (laughs) Cespit is signed with the Mets, joining me is the Prospect Hate Man. Ladies and gentlemen... As I just sort of leaked, as reported first on this podcast, but really first by Ralph. Giannis Espedes. So re up with the Mets. Three years, $75 million, One year opt out. $27.5 million the first year. Full no trade clause. No deferred money. Those are the deets. I'm sure Ken Rosenthal will fill us all in on the tax implications shortly on Twitter.com. But we'll start with this. How did this happen? all right one at a time there's five of you i've never done this before okay we'll start with chris mcshane since he actually predicted this sort of yeah i guess i did whether or not i was taking myself seriously i don't know but i i I guess i did uh (laughs) i i don't know uh, I guess Ken Rosenthal saying that Cespedes had a preference to come back actually carried some weight. That that was actually uh, legitimate. I mean, to me, he he's he's the guy. There are many good newsbreakers, but I don't know. Rosenthal's sort of the top one. So when I saw that, I thought there might actually be a chance, and I didn't really think there would be a chance all off season. I may have retweeted myself saying there was a one hundred percent chance, but that was a sarcastic tweet. So. How much of so is there a point in time where you're just like, oh, this is all sort of a dog and pony show to get the Nats to up their offer kind of thing? I think uh, I was I was skeptical that he would come back at all. You know, since they traded for him, I remember when he was in the uh, the height of his ridiculous stretch, saying, "Hey, if this is just a rental, that's fine. It was a good trade, all that sort of stuff." Well, at the time he had the contract clause too. Yeah, that's true. But even after they changed it, I didn't I didn't really think that he would end up sticking around. So by the time this Nationals Mets, you know, uh leak reports, rumors, dance started to happen, I I wasn't thinking that it was the leverage play. Kate, you're 
ostensibly a member of the New York City media. Did you have any idea this was coming? Me, Kate? The Kate that's a member of the New York City media, yes. I I mean, I guess technically. No, I mean, I think we can all forget about Cardinal's devil magic and just go with Mets devil magic for the next few years. It's the power of Bartolo. I like it, yes. Wait, this was... Hold on, hold on. This was Kadir's last magic trick. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Nice. You made himself um, disappear. No. It's a it's a prestige. Yeah, it's just like seven hundred Jonas Vespedes in like tanks below the stage. <laughs> they just pulled one out. I haven't seen that movie in years, but I think that's what happened. Oh, no, no, I didn't think this was going to happen. I dreamt it, but it just it always seemed like a pipe dream. National media, Kate. Is this a good thing for the Mets? I think so, yeah. Definitely makes them a better team. Um, I don't agree with those who think that this that Cespedes' last year was um, unrepeatable. I think he's definitely talented. He's kind of, you know, how old is he? I can't remember. This is bad look on me. Is he like 30? Yeah, 30. Next year is his age 31 season. So he's not he's not out of his prime. I wouldn't say he's necessarily in his prime, but he's not out of his prime. He's definitely not at the age where we start talking about, you know, oh, are they going to fall off a cliff? And, um, you know, I I do wonder where he's going to get his best value. He, he looked okay to my eyes in center last year. Like, not... I mean, I've seen worse. Trust me, I've seen worse. I watched Delano the Shields in center. I watched Leonis Martin on his bad days in center. I've watched a number of really bad double A center fielders. Cespedes is fine. So, yeah. Makes the Mets better. Gives them a better chance. Gives them a bigger bat. You know? Because, God, what were they going to do before they signed him? Uh, Alejandro de Aza and Juan Lagares to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, what were they going to do before they signed him? And actually, next year is his age 30 season, not his age. Age 30. Even yeah. better. It is. Even better. They're paying for his age he's 30, still, 31, and 32 seasons. Part of the aging curve. But really, it's... only his age 30 season. That's all they're really paying for. Yeah, no, yeah. You're not. No, he's going to go sign for an obscene amount of money with somebody like the Tigers again, or I don't know, the Angels. Maybe the Angels have walked out from enough of their contracts that they get they out, like they get out from the Josh Hamilton money after next year. Uh, no, I think oh, they're God, still they paying don't. him because the Rangers are functionally paying him nothing right, next year. Yeah. Functionally paying him nothing. Sorry, I just still boggle at that. Like sports business, yeah, the Mets are bad, but dear God, the Angels. <laughs> Somebody got a deep chat. Yeah, I may have a writing assignment tonight, so I should probably keep drinking. Um, Hate man. Yes. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Yoenis Suspedis last year with the Mets, fifty-seven games. He hit two eighty-seven, three thirty-seven, six oh four. Totally repeatable, right? I mean. He's not going to slug 600 again, but the batting average and the on-base percentage aren't that far outside of, like, say, a 65th, 70th percentile projection. His career average is 271, 319, 486. Would you sign up for that right now in 150 games? I I would want a little bit better than that, but, you know, that with, you know, average to slightly below average center field defense... In this day and age, actually, probably is worth $27 million or whatever the number is going to end up being, which is partially due to offensive deflation and partially due to salary inflation. So 
I'm just really happy because I really like Ioana Cespedes, and I really want him on the Mets, and I don't really give a fuck whether Fred Wilpon pays an extra $27 million. It ain't my money. I mean, it kind of is because I'm a partial season ticket holder, but it's they not, weren't getting it anyway. It's not really actually all Freds either at this point. <laughs> well, it's also city banks and small cats and some other <laughs> The Citibank still hold their loans? I think they do. Might be J.P. Morgan. One of them. I'm kind of drunk, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw that, that, is at, that is how to make a debut on, <laughs> on this show. Everyone that's debuted on this podcast has been drunk, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I hope so. I like to I think so. I am not drunk yet. You haven't been drinking since... When did I get home? 5.30? I had to work early. Yeah, but I don't drink in, like, super... Okay. I'm not drunk, trust me, yet. I had to stop to pick up some things, because we're getting snow. What's that? Is it even snowing yet? It hasn't started snowing here yet. It is It is snowing in the Bronx. All right, so it'll be snowing in Connecticut shortly. I want some fucking snow while we're on the topic. I'm down here in Texas, and we haven't even had a proper fucking hard freeze yet. It's snowing in Jersey City. (laughs) I would imagine if it's snowing in the Bronx, it's snowing in Jersey City. Well, I was just checking. But I will throw it out to the field. Are we okay with Ioannis Cespedes playing center field? Sure. I yes. mean, they were going to yeah. play Alejandro de Aza there. They were going to play Alejandro de Aza there probably yeah. 60% not, of the time. It's not like it's going to be any worse than what they were going to roll out there. And now when Juan Ligaris, like, they tell Juan Ligaris, take the... Uh, take the safety off in spring training and he tears his UCL for real, they'll be okay. Or, I mean, are they going to try and unload the Juan Lagares contract on somebody so here? So, they've... I've, got, I've gotten queries from various people from other teams wondering if he's available. I'll say that. I'm like, not the fucking I know if his contract's available to be unloaded or not. But he was in some of the early drafts of the Carlos Gomez deal I had heard. Wasn't the rumor on the Carlos Gomez deal that one of the reasons it fell apart was that the Brewers refused to take his contract? Oh, no, no, no. He had a hip issue, hate man. Come on. Okay. We all saw the medicals. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, I I assume that, like, Sandy has those framed in his office, by the way. The medicals, yeah. Yes. The only thing I want framed is a photo of the bat flip he did in Game 3 after hitting it into the second deck of City Field. I'm oh, sure that you t-shirt! Get that framed. I have the that t- T-shirt, and I was—I I almost feel bad because I was sitting. I don't know if I said this before on the show. I was sitting in the media lounge having like a soda when it happened. I was this, not happy about that. This is like a free PR idea, but that's like the most obvious bobblehead of all time, right? You would think we talked about this in the last episode because they announced all the player, the giveaways, promotions. player yeah. promotions for the year, and there's only the one bobblehead. It's Matt Harvey because I guess you know. Yeah. But let's look. I'll, I know bobbleheads, they cost a little bit to produce. you got to spend the extra money for Cespedes. I don't get four bobbleheads instead of one bobblehead. Fine, whatever. It's not the end of the world. I'll make that trade-off as a Mets fan. But, yeah, so you get the... Do you want the bat flip bobblehead, I guess? I think so. You the bat, I guess you could do it. You need, like, a... I don't know how you would, like... That was glorious, I mean, by it the way, was as, an impartial, as an impartial observer. That was glorious. And, it, I mean, it happened... you got to... happened what, uh... I think the did day I, after did the I Batista bat flip or the day before? It was like right around the same time of the before. Yeah, before. I, think it, I think it was before. It was the day, it was the day before. Because no, I, I, I remember I, having I, a little bit of a like, oh, 
like no, yeah, I, I was I was at work. I listened to the Batista yeah, thing in, in the car, so I, I hadn't driven down yet. So I think you're right. It was the day before. I was back. You just balance the head of the bat off of his hand as he's like staged to run. That's how you would actually design it. Yeah, that would be easy enough. Yeah, you have to have it on like on his hand. I guess you're right. Yeah. I'm- I mean, there's there are ways to do that that it doesn't look awful. You could do that clear plastic. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that too. I think it would look cooler if it was in the air. Yeah, you gotta more expensive though. It's adding extra. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. This is the Mets. More expensive. Not gonna happen. Yeah. I'm imagining like one of those like old WWF Hasbro figures with like the spring-loaded arm. <laughs> with crazy bat flipping action. Exactly. <laughs> I had to get a pro wrestling reference in mm. here somewhere. Of course. We'll get your Royal Rumble take later in the show, <laughs> hate man. No, we won't. Place, man. Absolutely <laughs> will not be happening. Okay. <laughs> so the funny thing now is we sit here on January 22nd. It's about a month, actually less than a month, until pitchers and catchers report. And the Mets have had a really fucking good offseason. I would arguably say they've had the best. Have they had mm. the uh I don't know. I Have mean, they had a better offseason than the Cubs? I don't know. The Cubs had a, I think they've changed their team more than. I mean, they made the changes they needed. Well, but to it's make. changed. But is is change? It's like one of those things where, yeah, they did changes, but were there better options out there at the time that they made those changes that they could have done? Like, they could have not signed Alejandro Diaz, and they could have just signed Cespedes. They could have used that money to go out there and, I don't know, find a better reliever or something. I don't know. They got Antonio Bastardo. Bastardo's He's fine. He's fine. We He's still, we're still not going to talk about Bastardo on the podcast. What? This is two episodes running now, but... <laughs> what? reliever could they have actually gotten for one year and seven million dollars because it seems like any reliever even mildly worth the shit is getting two years could they got, what did kelly end up getting <sighs> get two and look. he got about what bastardo got right two and 12 yeah, two and 14 it, it, it was similar chris you wrote about antonio bastardo do you have any strong feelings about antonio bastardo i i like it I, I like the move i don't like that it means the end of carlos torres I have that a soft, was weird. <laughs> I, have a, I have a soft spot for uh, scrap heap middle relievers, and I thought he was a pretty good one. So I might just have to add him to my wish list of game-used jerseys alongside many Acosta. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of them available. Yes. I, still, I still get like tweets every time there's a Josh Satin one that pops up in the, uh, in the store. But, but I do like Bestardo. I mean, I'll take high strikeouts even at the cost of high walks from relief pitchers uh yeah uh, that's fine with me but i mean you look at it this way they basically have the same starting rotation they had post july 31st roughly Uh, i know matt's was hurt for some of that most of that yeah most of that they got cespedes back they got neil walker who will do a credible daniel murphy impression they have a little more depth in the middle infield or a similar depth i mean i don't know how you want to play out with Tejada and Flores versus Yuri Bay and Kelly Johnson, but it's very close to the second half team. And yeah, they played the Rockies a lot, and they played the Phillies a lot, and they played the Marlins a lot. That team was like on a 98-win pace. <laughs> and they're going to still play those same shitty teams over and over again this year. And the Braves are probably shittier. I- and the Phillies are probably shittier. 
Another thing to consider here is that a lot of the pre-trade deadline problem was that they had absolutely no depth. So you got things like Eric Campbell being irregular and Daryl Siciliani being irregular for a couple of weeks. Like, let's say David Wright goes down again. Wilmer Flores is a credible Major League third baseman. Let's say Conforto or Granderson goes down. Alejandro Diaz is a credible Major League corner outfielder. And having credible instead of Daryl Siciliani and Eric Campbell and a host of other people that I don't even want to remember. Danny Mano DHing in the Subway Series at the beginning of the year. Is pretty significant i mean i think that they learn you know the great lesson of the trade deadline other than cespedes was that they actually needed major league depth and cespedes sort of knocks deaza back into the role that was probably going to be siciliani or eric campbell's um or hypothetical steve pierce or ryan rayburn or whoever i know pierce just signed but um it's I don't think one or two injuries is crippling at this point. Um, You know, they've even got Pulecki behind Travis Darnot, so there isn't going to be Anthony Recker and Johnny Minnell as, like, platoon players or anything like that. It just, it seems like not only is their ceiling pretty high, but, God, I'm going to regret saying this in eight months, but the floor actually feels pretty high, too. Yeah, you're going to regret saying that. I am going to regret saying that. Um, but it seems like, it It kind of seems like not a worst, worst case scenario, but even with some bad luck, that they still might be a wild card or division contender. Whereas with some good luck, you can potentially say they're one of the two best teams in the National League. Yeah, the N- you know, the N- NL East next year is basically tirefire.jpg, so... Yeah, I mean, you get to play... The Braves, the <laughs> Phillies, and the Marlins. The Marlins are good now, haven't you heard? Oh, Have you been on Twitter.com lately? Hashtag Marlins Takeover. Marlins I've... Takeover 2. This time they're really taking over. <laughs> Wei Yin Chen apparently is like a number two starter now. Okay. Oh, isn't that they now have, like, one of the best rotations in baseball? Someone... No, no, they said their rotation can compete with any team in baseball. Eh, that's close enough to what yeah. I said. It still I mean, involves, I, like, Tom Kohler, Jared Cozart, and somebody else. So on. how many of those guys would actually make the Mets rotation? One. One yeah. of them. Yeah, one. one or two, yeah. I would take Bartolo Colon. Yeah, it's not I'd fair. I'd take Colon over Chen. Yeah, I would, too, but it's not he actually the accurate also... baseball decision to make. Colon's well, only half a year, and then you get five hey, Look, I so saw that 20-second like, video that hey, Jesse Sanchez tweeted out this morning, and it hit, the, the fastball was popping. Good. <laughs> there you go. The I'm not sure era. for 2016 that I would take Y.E. Chen over Bartolo Colon. It's probably something close to a wash and projections or whatever. But the Mets have done a very good job, oh God, I'm going to regret saying this, of maintaining future <laughs> flexibility by signing players to shorter-term contracts. Because, you know, they're definitely <laughs> wow. going to go up price Look, this is an optimistic... <laughs> edition of this podcast we're gonna regret everything we've said on it <laughs> because you know they're definitely going to go after bryce harper and manny machado in a few years yeah, yeah. That's definitely happening yeah i know maybe they'll get sold uh i like manny machado as they slide david right over to first and play manny machado at third yeah that's a good idea yeah he's only gonna get you know like 300 or 400 million dollars but surely can get that brought us, right? i have a question yes 
How much money do you think Bryce Harper is going to get whenever he actually hits free agency? Um, who asked this? DJ Short asked this oh, on Twitter, Norman. I feel like. Something like that, yeah. I said, I said Mark 10. Mark Norman did. Was Mark Norman? Oh, yeah, Nils Norman did, yeah. It was Norman did? All right. I said 10-375 with two opt-outs. I might have been low. I said 15550 <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he gets half a billion. He gets half a billion dollars, Chris McShane. Yeah. Did you see Chris Davis's? All, like, that's a weird contract. That's, I mean, we can all start stop talking about Bobby Benia now, right? No. <laughs> no, okay. The story's got to get written. I mean, it's, a, it's already scheduled. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's like a scheduled <laughs> like post. Right, we, we, can't, we can't take it back. It's already happening. I mean, that is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, I they think... had him put on a jersey at a press conference. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that was awesome. The man has not left his team, <laughs> and they had him put on a jersey at a press conference. So I you, wonder you're on a podcast for a team that had a uh, press conference from when Chin Lung Hu came over <laughs> in a trade for uh, Michael Antonioni first year of... Uh... Okay, no, you're right. I, an interesting thing that seemed to happen this offseason is that with the exception of Chris Davis, have any of the position players actually gotten paid like they were, quote, supposed to, unquote? No. Yeah. Well, Danny okay. Murphy came in well. Cespedes came in well. Alex Gordon came in so low that everybody assumed it was a hometown discount, but then we found out it was actually the best offer. A lot of people thought Jason Hayward was going to get fifty or hundred million more than he did. I'm not the world's biggest Jason Hayward fan, so I really didn't. But it kind of seems like I think Zobrist got what everyone expected. Yeah, Zobrist. Yeah. How are we? Um, I think part of the problem is we don't know how to value opt outs yet. Yeah, opt outs are incredibly valuable for the player. Anyone yes, yes, says, yes. Anyone who says that they are valuable for the team is smoking something. No, the, the, our, and honestly, I don't really want to smoke whatever they're smoking. The podcast position, official podcast position, is opt outs are only good for the player, unless your view of baseball is that the important thing is that ownership not have to spend money as opposed to teams winning games. <laughs> okay, so what the opt-out is doing for somebody like Cespedes is Cespedes is essentially buying insurance from the Mets for catastrophic injury slash extreme underperformance. Correct. Yep. You okay. can actually buy that. Max Scherzer bought that when he declined the Nationals free agency. So there probably is a way to actually value this. Um, you could probably... Absolutely. I, mean, so I like, could probably write an article on it. Yes, you probably could. So Cespedes basically has $47 million of insurance in case he like has like a Chris Davis 2014 or breaks his leg or something. Um, Which he did not that on the open market. Or a Johannes Cespedes 2013. This is That's true. Um, what is the value of that on the open market? You know, the premiums for that stuff, 10, 15, 20%, depending on the player. So essentially the Mets have given Cespedes something that functionally is like one year between 30 and 35 million, depending on exactly how you value it. Um, it's interesting. Um, there was a, somebody reported that MLB at their owners meeting, which is actually currently ongoing, I believe is that an opt out conference. Yeah. Is it, yes. Explicitly, didn't told, they already have their owners meeting? It may. That was yes. Dallas, like a couple, like 
back in November or something. Oh, no, I thought having, about crashing it. I didn't. They're, they're having a second owners meeting to discuss CBA strategy because the CBA oh, is Oh, kind of, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. another thing where it's just like ownership needs like, like rules to protect ownership from themselves, which is basically the history of baseball CBAs anyway. So. Yeah, so the well, other one because, was just hanging out at Bush's presidential library for like three days drinking. That was the first owners meeting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... <coughs> Don't quote me on that. Yeah. So what Cespedes is doing is basically the same thing that Darrell Rivas has spent his entire career doing, basically, which is taking a lot more money for what amount to short-term deals with the hope of repeatedly cashing in on himself. There were rumors that when he signed his initial four-year contract with the Athletics, he'd basically done the same thing, that he had longer bigger money offers but wanted to get to the open market sooner and i think somebody was going to do this i'm a little surprised that it was cespedes but you know he sure seems like a guy that would be self-confident to bet on himself you know his whole the only thing i fear is death but i actually don't fear that either thing um i know it's your first time on hate man but we don't uh we only talk european football Okay. Uh, comparison points. I figured Mets fans are also Jets fans, but this really hasn't happened on this kind of level in baseball. Nelson Cruz sort of did it a few years ago, but it was for much smaller amounts of money. Um, a couple of pitchers have done it, but this is really the first time that a premier free agent has taken a top-level salary for one year and is going to try again. Um, unless I'm forgetting somebody at least in the modern free agency i know during the collusion era there were players that got forced into it but um you know andre dawson with the whole blank contract thing um but it's real i wonder if this is the start of a trend um or it's just the only necessitous being the only necessitous i don't know next year's free agent market is also very slim it is and that, I'm sure, plays into everything. I mean, I'm looking at it. Like, you've got Batista. Give me, give me the outfielders. Batista. Um, Nick Swisher, who I still forget. <laughs> I mean. Still Colby playing Rasmus. baseball, apparently. Like, there's, I mean, it's Carlos Gomez. I mean, you've got a few names. I, but That's like a better crop pretty. of outfielders than I actually expected, but still. I guess, to some extent, Colby Rasmus did this, too, because he took the qualifying offer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Matt Holiday has a club option. I mean, it's it's slim pickings. Like he could be fine, and he's and Cespedes is still going to get paid next year. Yeah, I mean, if he plays to his career averages, I think he's probably beating two years and forty seven million on the market, right? Sure, probably. I mean, he yeah. he got a five one ten offer this year or something thereabouts. Yeah. From the Nationals, so I, I. So do we believe? Do we believe that the reason he didn't take the five one ten is because they didn't give him a one year opt out? It's possible. So I I do want to shift the discussion there towards the Nationals for a little bit because this is like the, <laughs> are the Nationals <laughs> yes, really just a complete shit show now? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I know they are a complete shit show. But <laughs> no, this I mean, actually, but I mean the they've been a complete always... shit show for like right ever it's been a while. But the story is always like yeah. It, Top dollar always pays at the end of the, at the end Yeah, of the that's day. usually like Zach how Zach Greinke went does. to the Diamondbacks because they gave him but, more money. And Zach Greinke's a weird dude, but... 
This was is, is the valuation of a five-year, $110 million extremely deferred deal actually more than what Cespedes rates to make taking the Mets deal? So it, it's three seventy-five. Even if that pays out fully, not including the sort of the value of the opt-out, however you want to value that, depending on how the deferment was and time value of money and inflation and whatnot, you know, if they're knocking, if you're knocking twenty twenty-five million off that all of a sudden, you might be that, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, but yeah, I mean, the Nationals—they lost Jordan Zimmerman for what people considered an extremely reasonable contract, and got more reasonable when you know Y H Chen and Ian Kennedy signed for the deals. That Ian they, Kennedy that, got five years and seventy million dollars. <laughs> yes, Ian what? Kennedy <laughs> got a contract that is substantially similar to Cespedes. Let's, oh, let's, yeah, five all million I know less. is five that like less. I had to listen to five million guaranteed less. Yeah, <laughs> I had to listen. And he to... wasn't better than Dylan G. <laughs> Chris, Chris McShane knows this. The internally on our Slack has been just like Scott. People get shitting on Scott Boris for months for the for Matt Harvey and various other things too. He got Ian Kennedy five years and seventy million. <laughs> he, he, got a he turned down the qualifying million. offer. No one has ever disputed that Scott uh, that Scott Boris is not good at his job. Well, He's just you got to spend more time that. on the Amazing Avenue Slack, Kate. Well. Is that really an argument? Like, he's great at his job. He's just terrible how and how he does it. Well, no, I would argue that he's not even terrible how and how he does it because it's one of those things where it's like we may not like the way he does it, but that doesn't mean it's quote-unquote terrible. I I mean, I don't see him. I think he's a bit of a drama queen, but. Yeah, from a fan's perspective, the optics of it. Well, sure. But nothing, mean, yeah, nothing Scott Boris has funny. ever done is anything sleazier than what the Astros did to Casey Close's client and the clients in the 2014 draft. So, Scott Boris is also willing to play the bad cop so his player doesn't take the heat, like yeah. the Matt Harvey thing. I mean, well, Matt Harvey you, screwed that up. For yeah, I was say, well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you, but that's a really valid point. I mean, how many guys out there would have? I mean, how many players would really want to go up against ownership, would want to go up against the people that are paying you to play baseball and say, hey, I feel I deserve more money. Scott Boris is willing to go up there. And, I mean, I'm not saying that – I mean, I know every other agent out the reason that they're agents is that they're willing to do that. But Boris, because of the kind of players he represents, is willing to be the bigger bad guy, which uh, would you know, I would argue is a valuable service, and he certainly gets rewarded handsomely for it. You know, he he is has no problem being the cartoonish clownish villain that we all love to hate and write think pieces about. I don't know. Do we write think pieces about him? I'm sure somebody has. I'm sure somebody has. I don't think we do. I think other people do. We, the general baseball media mafia, whatever the world. Somebody baseball in the world. Twitter. I love you all, baseball Twitter. Just... I was going to say we something. Do, yeah. I thought better of it. So we'll wrap this up because I'm out of bourbon now and I have to go get a refill before I post many, many Yoannis Cespedes gifts to baseball prospectus as part of a transaction analysis I'm apparently writing now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That was the G-chat from Brett. Yeah. You want to take the Cespedes tea? I'm like, yes, it may just be all gifts of him just like smoking a cigar. Be the entire. That's all I really have to say about about it. Can it it also be the giant bottle of champagne? It should be. I'll see it what should. I can find. I'll do a cursory Google, Google image search. It's already Google. midnight on the East Coast. I mean, also, they're already all on Twitter anyway. So. Sure. 
Can I throw one more thing in here? Yeah, fine. Okay, so the Mets are going to run an opening day payroll of like 135 or 140 million dollars. Yes. Mm-hmm. We should actually. I'm. I know this sucks, but we actually have to give the Wilpons and Saw Cats a little bit of credit here because they did see a financial windfall from the playoff run, and at least for one year, they have decided to reinvest. At least a portion of that into, you know, actually making the team better. As opposed Instead of to their the personal debt, yes. Yes, and that is not something that we should have to applaud, but given the fact that, you know, the entire Mets beat thought they were done, you know, like four signings ago, you know, they <laughs> actually did kind of come through. And I hate saying that as much as anybody. I have killed the Wilpons as much as anybody, including as recently as yesterday. But it's today, and they actually, you know, made moves for two middle infielders. They brought back Bartolo Colon. They added depth at various places with Bestardo and Deaza, and they actually re-signed Cespedes. Like, holy shit, they actually re-signed Cespedes. Like, you know, that actually I, means something. I mean, if you designed an offseason for the Mets like Chris McShane did, yeah. what would have happened? <laughs> <laughs> and they spent more money than Chris McShane was allowed to spend. They may have bumbled into it. They may have had no intention of paying $140 million, but when the opportunity came, they actually did. So I'll give, like, my U.S. Open golf clap and go back to bashing them in two weeks. That's fine. Yeah, um, take, take that, everybody who complained about the AOP fictional budget, <laughs> which was 120 and people thought we were insane, and yeah. we probably were. We probably, yeah, no, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the money's coming from. I'm not going to worry about it. I would like, love to have been in that room, though. I mean, the great thing now is Mets Twitter can't complain for the entire season because they did everything they wanted, except Mets well, Twitter is going to complain for the entire bit. season. Oh, come they on. can't there, complain there, a little there, bit. Because... There were absolutely people on Mets Twitter that said they shouldn't re-sign Cespedes. I mean, there was... It, shit, Mike Petriello wrote an article saying that if they're fine in center field. They've got Juan Lagares. What do they need to join the Cespedes for? So, hey, I, man, we don't do media criticism on this podcast. Okay. I, I'm Somebody just, saying, just brought up on Twitter that if Cespedes ends up in a corner, that might take playing time from Conforto. If anything, they should play Granderson in center. That's going to be like a seven fire emoji hot take, probably. Yeah, but Cespedes apparently legitimately does not want to play right field. Like, he doesn't. I, I, I'm going to source something to Mike Francesa, but Mike Francesa actually had Terry Collins on the record saying that Cespedes wanted to play either center or left and basically refused to play right last season. So, I mean, Cespedes is not a great center fielder. I think he's getting a ton of shit for booting a ball in the World Series from people that didn't really watch him play. Yeah, significant yes. amount of center. He was okay. He's not going to win a gold glove like, like did last year, but was in the American League and left. But is he going to kill you out there? Probably not. He's and, probably a below average center fielder. Yeah. I've seen worse. Didn't the Red Sox also say that he refused to play center, though? That was something that I heard before he started playing center for the Mets. Because right. the story was he said, well, he. There was the one story I know that uh, Hate Man already said the Francesco story, but there's one story there. He, apparently, he told Collins, I don't care where you. Play me, I just want to play every day. Yeah, I mean, so either there is a giant baseball-wide collusion to make Cespedes look like a bad guy. Well, it's not a baseball-wide collusion. He doesn't like talking to the media, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, he smokes Marlboros. He's the only person on the Mets that chain smokes like two packs a day. 
Yeah, nobody else. Nobody <laughs> else does that. Nobody. Oh, no one. No, no one else. The guy has made a financial and mental concessions to play with the Mets. And portably like, Paul Cologne, so he's not even the only one. Exactly. Exactly. You have Cologne and Cespedes who both left. I mean, Cespedes probably just left $40 million on the table, didn't he? That's a and lot of money. Depending on how you want to, like... Value of money on the amount of money. Yeah, he left Somewhere. tens of millions of dollars on the table to play for the Mets, and well, that's an odd, well, an walk, odd thing like, to say out loud. Personal custom work at, uh, walk up music only works if he stays in New York. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I had to listen oh, to that. The walkout music. The walkout music. You haven't heard it. Chris, you still have it on your phone? Uh, I, no, I, what, no, I, 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 I have the ringtone, but that's, that's not the... <laughs> of course well, you do. Sorry. I, well, I, no, said, I, I said it It all comes down to walkout music. Clearly, does, everything yeah. does. Chris, are you going to be at op- are you gonna be the home opener with the sleeve and the Cespedes shirt? Yeah, I have to now. <laughs> I also have to live up to my promise to play the song at an open mic night, and I was kind of hoping I'd get out of that, but, but I have to do it now. We'll uh, fold that into something. When there's I'm, I'm an amazing avenue meetup, I'll, I'll I'll drive down. I don't give a shit. Yeah, we'll do one here, right in in, in my neighborhood in the Bronx. And, I'm not uh, going to the Bronx. I won't go to Washington Heights. I've already said that on the podcast. I'm not going to the Bronx. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I'll get I'll get the vine of it. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> but we will leave you with this. Ten minutes after I said we were wrapping things up. Favorite, and this can be in any context, Mets or otherwise, favorite Yoannis Cespedes moment, Chris McShane. Uh, Being at the home run derby at City Field when he was hitting line drives into the second half of the upper deck. Hate man. Um, I'm going to say because I was there, this is the easy one, but the NLDS game three home run. I actually couldn't see the home run go out because I was in the left field upper deck, so I actually saw the bat flip, which was pretty freaking cool. And that was like... To some extent, that was, like, the great emotional relief of, like, oh, my God, they're actually going to go up in this series. Oh, my God, they might actually win. And they did. So, yeah, game three home run. New York City, Kate. I was going to say the game three home run, too. So, no, come back to me. going to take that, so. Yeah, come back to me. Circle back. Texas, Kate. <laughs> See, the funny thing is that I don't really have one. I like him as a player. I think he's really good. I think he's pretty nifty. He hits long home runs. It's pretty exciting. So, you know. Just a general The fact that he doesn't like to talk to the media. (laughs) I think more players should tell the media to fuck off. And I say that as a member of the media. I don't give a shit if they talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, I I have no problem with that. They're prerogative. I like it when they do. But I would always rather talk to a guy who actually wants to talk to me than talk to some guy who just doesn't give a shit. Like, honestly, if you don't want to be there, you shouldn't have to be there. Sorry, that's my personal little, you know, media I mean, rant. I can honestly say the one of the greatest plays I've ever seen on a baseball field was the throw Cespedes made in extra innings against the Pirates this year. Yeah. yeah. Like, against that's- his body... Falling towards right field, one hop to third base to throw a guy out going for a triple in extra innings. That was my second choice of moment. 
I'm sorry, New York Kate. <laughs> Just say the home run against Thorin. Well, one of the home runs against Thorin. Any, yeah, uh, any, any, any of them? Joanne is for well, this against the Nationals moment. I think my brand on this podcast at this point is just the cheesiness. So it's the fact that he wanted to come back. How about that? Oh, oh, <laughs> I think I said the wrong episode at the outset again. This is like becoming a recurring trend. This is episode 168. I think I said 167. I said 166 on Wednesday when it was really 167. Can we just make it 169? We can't make it 100 and nice, hate man. That's next week's show. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to talk about at this point. We've completely... Antonio Bastardo. I was about to say, you have to circle back to Bastardo. Antonio Bastardo, I guess. We have lots of Antonio Bastardo con- content. We do have an email, actually, about how the Mets shouldn't sign Cespedes because Juan Lagares <laughs> has been almost worth almost as much by Baseball References War over the last three seasons. We'll address that on the next show. All war is a crime. There were... uh, first and last appearance on the show. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm guessing there'll probably be... Uh... What else is coming up? Anything interesting? Something interesting coming up. I mean, pitchers and catchers report in like three and a half weeks, so... Please yeah. steal my line, Jay. Pitchers and catchers do report in, I think it was 26 days. Mets booth. Madge tweets it out every day. So, Madge also tweeted out today that he w- wished the uh, suspense thing would just wrap itself up, which it did. So as always, listen to Madge. You can't go wrong. It is 26 days. Yeah. Actually, technically 25 because it's midnight. See, the problem is like pitchers and catchers report and then like nothing happens. <laughs> you get and blurry th- beat writer photos. Yeah. Well, not from Adam Rubin Studios, you know. <laughs> And then I get blurry beat writer photos from Arizona. There's like five <laughs> spring training games you're excited about, and then it's just another month till actual baseball starts. Yeah, but it like feels important. It does. I, last season it felt really important. I think specifically because of the Matt Harvey rehab. Like, everybody was really amped for that. Sure. Uh, this year maybe not quite as much. The Josh Edge Matt Harvey throw ninety nine his like what first game, second game? In spring training, like it's like yeah, spring it was like training. it was like ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven or something out of the box. Yeah, something like that. And then he threw a breaking ball and I was like, Oh, okay. I watched that one at work. Yes. I think I watched that one on my iPhone at Chipotle. <laughs> cool. Wow, none more baseball. Uh, we have reached pay. Peak baseball on Amazing Avenue Audio. Or at least peak spring training, I feel like. Yeah. It's coming, even though I'm going to get... I'm not getting that much snow, actually. Everybody else is going to get buried. But not me. I'm not getting any snow. You live in Texas. I'm so excited. I know, right? You people that, like, don't... <laughs> like, weren't in the Tri-State area last winter should really not be talking about this. I want. I shoveled out my car so many times, and I want snow. And I'm sorry, I got snow last year too. I only got four inches, but hey, four inches in Dallas—that mm-hmm. shuts things down. I'm just gonna take a quick peek. Here. It was still 65 degrees for most of the winter in Florida last year, so I get to complain. Like going to be 61 tomorrow. Yeah. After being below freezing tonight. 
taxes. Ain't nothing mm. like it. Mm. Did we ever stop recording or are we still recording? No, we're still recording. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know when it's wrapped up. <laughs> I'm checking out snowfall totals from last summer, or last winter in Connecticut. There we go. It's 59 degrees at my house in Florida right now. Google is not helping me. It is currently. Oh, good. It is currently 34 degrees here. In fair Dallas, Texas. With a wind chill of 25. 10 miles of visibility. Barometer at 30.33 inches. Wind speed north at 12 miles per hour. Humidity of 70%. So now you've gotten the weather in Texas. Yes. <laughs> I, I felt the need to go into my radio voice there for a minute. Yeah. I, I just want to point out that if you want to see the greatest moonwalk of all time, check Adam Rubin's Twitter feed over the next 24 hours. Jesus Christ, hey man. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you next week for another edition of Amazing <laughs> Avenue Audio. <laughs> <laughs>